This is an awesome day to recognize our mothers and to talk about the topic that I share about today, dealing with stress. Because if there's anybody who can write many books on stress, it's our mothers because they helped or raised us, all right? Archibald Hart says in his book, Adrenaline and Stress, that actually, from his study, he's really probably, as a Christian psychologist, probably the foremost authority when it comes to stress and adrenaline. And uh, he recognizes that women have more stress than men. So, wives, you feel free to give your husband a good nudge right now. You are dealing with more stress than your husband. And they can tell you all about all their difficulties and all about their complexities, but stress is very much a present reality uh, with women. And we want to recognize you today. In fact, uh, a study that was done by Gallup in 2002 said that uh, Women voted themselves or considered themselves as having the least amount of time to relax just because of, again, of all the demands going on in life. So, mothers, we want to recognize you today. You are awesome. None of us would be here without you, and you are, you are a blessing. So we have a, a gift that we want to give to you. Ushers, if you'll come forward at this time, we're going to give you a stress-free relief candle. All right? You can pick out your flavor Whatever it is, there's different ones. Uh, I think there's ocean flavors and whatever aroma you like. But these are that aromatic therapy, and the, the ushers will just pass these down. And you can be uh, taking those as a small gift to you uh, to say thank you for all that you do. But we also have an extra special gift. We've had a little bit of an essay contest going on around Grace Point for, a couple of, for about a month now. And uh, it's been great to, to hear and read these various essays. Now, I have to say, the first service, we had more essays come in for this service than any of the other services. So this made it very difficult. But uh, I sequestered a couple of uh, very non-partial uh, men. Yes, men made this decision. And they, they went into a room all in this sequestered kind of place. And I deleted the name so they could have no idea who they were reading about and all that kind of stuff, to read about who's going to be the one in this service that gets a full-body one-hour massage. And so we're not going to do that in this service, okay? That will not be a part of our service. We couldn't get any good masseuses to come on Mother's Day. And so uh, anyway, we're gonna, that'll be some other time, some other place that they'll arrange. The thing about this service is the person who, who wins this service actually had two nominations, one from their children and then one from the, the father or the husband. And so uh, this person is admired uh, from all directions. Let me, let me read the essay to you. This person, and I'll not name the name yet, is the most caring, supportive, selfless person that I know. She regularly goes out of her way to help others even when it's inconvenient for her. My children and I are blessed to have her in our lives. She is truly a beautiful example of a Proverbs 31 woman. And then this is what the children came together and and wrote. It says, Our mommy is a really good mommy. She loves us very much and makes us really good food for us. She has lots of patience with us when we give her a hard time about doing school. She's really busy, but always has time for us and plays with us. She really She's really funny too, and we have lots of fun with her. She plays with the Wii with us. That's a game 
thing if you don't know what a we is. All right. Uh, we with us and takes us lots of fun places. She takes us to church and praises us. When we have bad dreams, she prays with us and we read verses of the Bible together. She always has lots of hugs and kisses and cuddles for us. She's really a great teacher. We really love our mommy and think she deserves to get a massage for Mother's Day. Please help us give our mommy a special gift. You know, how can you, how can you say no to that one from three kids, Abby, Noah, and J.D.? So, Sarah Toto, would you come up and get your massage? <laughs> All right. Fun time. And uh, we wish we could do that for everybody because we know that everybody is dealing with stress. But it certainly seems that uh, the moms, again, take the lion's share of it and get so little credit for all that they do. Our generation is a generation that just kind of seems to accelerate in life and its complexities. And, and we, get, we get computers that are faster, that are, that are supposed to make life easier. We, we live in jobs that are supposed to be slimmer and, and more lean and, and make life easier. But sometimes I feel like we, three words describe our culture, hurry, worry, and bury, are basically the words that describe us. We kind of get lost in all of this, and then all of a sudden we're stressed out, we're burned out, we're ready to check out of the entire scene. Joel Ikes at the University of Louisville said this. He said, our mode of life itself, the way we live, is emerging as today's principal cause of illness. It's not from kissing pigs and getting the swine flu. It's from our lifestyle. The way we live, the undisciplined sometimes life, the more that we try to cram into our life. Another very healthy book I I would recommend anybody and everybody to read is a book uh, called The Overload Syndrome by medical doctor Richard Swenson. What he talks about in this book about how our lifestyles are in all of their sociological experiments that they have done, they they find that we in our culture spend 10% more of every in every area of our life than we really have. We spend 10 we commit ourselves to 10% more of time and commitments than we really have time to give. We commit ourselves in energy in ways and, or in money in ways that we're just one paycheck away. In fact, I've said this before, that Americans will spend more money this year than they bring in. How do we do that? Because in our culture, there's something about us that says, that I want to get more out of life. I want to take more from life. I want, I want, I want. And we just stretch ourselves to the point that we're overextended. And from that overextension and that habits and patterns of our life, we end up into a stretched out state where we can't meet all of our commitments, we can't fulfill all of our obligations, where we run out of energy at the end of the day, where we run out of paycheck before the month comes to an end. And all of a sudden, all of this stretching turns into a stressed state. And because we never let back off of the stress, because we never let back off of that that tension in our life, we then go into a burned out state. Because there's a symbiotic relationship that happens in our body that whenever we extend ourselves that 10% in every area of our life, that when we do that, what happens is we're out here like this and our body is pumping adrenaline to keep us going. But eventually the body can't pump enough adrenaline. 
And literally doctors will tell you that you can become addicted to adrenaline. And so you'll live this life of living in adrenaline until finally you burn out. And you're ready to throw in the towel and you're ready to check out of the relationship. You're ready to leave the job. You're ready to leave it all. And you're ready, you end up doing really stupid stuff at that point. We've got to be completely aware of what's going on in our life. In every one of these emotions that we've dealt with, I've mentioned there's an antidote. The antidote to stress is learning the word balance. Learning to live with a balance in our life that, yes, stress is good. Stress can give us that adrenaline that we need to, to handle the tasks that are before us that are, that are daunting and overwhelming. But also, too much stress can become unhealthy for us. So don't, don't say that I'm trying to t- sell you a, a, a bill of goods today to say that here's a stress-free li- lifestyle that you're not going to have any stress in your life. That's not the case. In fact, that wouldn't be a healthy life. That would be a pretty boring life in my books. But a life that is absolutely run by, lives 24-7 on stress, is not healthy. And I do not believe it's the way that God intended us to live. Great theologian Charlie Shedd said it like this. He said, our, our Heavenly Father never gives us too much to do. We assign ourselves an overload, but never the Lord. Take your Bibles and be finding the book of Numbers. Find it in the Old Testament. You'll find it right towards the beginning. You'll find uh, this is one of the, the books that Moses wrote, and it's a part of what uh, theologians call the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And Numbers is one of those books that kind of chronicles uh, the, the entire process of Moses and his leadership and all that he's doing to lead these, these many numbers of people through the Promised Land or to the promised land, out of Egyptian bondage. And you find that at any level of leadership, it doesn't matter if you're Moses or you're Mike McDaniel or you put your name in the blank. If you live on the constant high of adrenaline, on the constant pull and tension of stress, you will reach a breaking point. And the thing is, is that sometimes the breaking point won't be the bankruptcy and it won't be the job loss and it won't be these other things that may come in. You think they're like bombs dropping into our life. Sometimes it may just be as simple as the feather falling or or the straw that breaks the camel's back. And that's what we find in in the book of Numbers chapter 11. We kind of jump into the scene when Moses is leading the people of Israel out of uh, Egyptian bondage. They're kind of wandering through the desert for years. They've been complaining about food situations, so God gave them manna. God gave them basically all the food that they needed to live and sustain themselves on, and he just made it fall from the sky. Pretty nice. Pretty convenient. They woke up in the morning. They went out with their little buckets or whatever, their baskets, and they scooped up their manna. They had enough for every day. The next day they would get up. They would go out and get more manna. It was a sweet package deal. Now, maybe it didn't taste that great. Maybe they got a little tired of it. Maybe they didn't have all the right seasonings that they liked. But the thing is, is that Moses came to a realization one day, whether he's leading millions and millions and millions of people, or you're just on a team of three or four people. It's, it's tough and it's stressful. Or you're just in a home and you've got a couple of kids and a spouse. And it's amazing how just these people in the complaints of everyday life are just like a feather falling down. And it's the one that breaks you. 
So they're complaining about the food that they're eating, and they're remembering back to the good old days of the promised land, and excuse me, of Egyptian bondage. And in fact, in Numbers 11, verse 5, it says this, We remember, oh, they're remembering the good old days. We remember the fish which we used to eat free. There, you know, that's one thing about memory, and it's a good thing about memory, as many times it blocks out the bad and we remember the good. These dudes were in slavery. These guys were being abused and tortured under Egyptian bondage, but what they remember was the free fish. That's what they remembered. We remember the free fish that we eat in, that we ate in Egypt, and the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. It makes me hungry just listening to all that. But now our appetite is gone. There is nothing at all to look at except for this manna. So now they're complaining about God's provision. And it's absolutely at this point, and you can insert your situation, your circumstances into the, into the story, or your, your, your life stresses. But for Moses, he's a leader. And for Moses, he's just sick and tired of all the complainer containers that he's carrying around with him. And so at this point, he reaches a breaking point. And so let's pick up now with his response or what's going on in his mind in verse 10. Now Moses heard the people weeping throughout the families, each man at his doorway of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly, and Moses was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you been so hard to your servant? Why have I not found favor in your sight, that you have laid the burden of all this people on me. What it, what it, what it I who, or excuse me, was it, was it I who, I don't know that didn't sound right, was it I who conceived all these people? He says, well, am I the mother or the father of these people, these complainers out there? Do I need to feel responsibility for them? Was it I who brought them forth that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing infant to, to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where, I, uh, where am I to get meat to give to all the people? For, for they weep before me, saying, give us meat that we may eat. I alone am not able to carry all of this people because it is too burdensome for me. So if you are going to deal thus with me, please kill me at once. If I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my wretchedness. You can read in David's prayer to God, he's had enough. His stress level has reached the breaking point. He has no more adrenaline in his bloodstream. He is ready to not only... He is burned out, but he's ready to check out. And I think the balancing word that I speak of is the word that we need to look at Moses' life and learn from today. And so I want us to think about today two things on the scale of life, two, two issues or two weights on the scales of life that we need to figure out how we're going to balance in our life. Because if we don't balance them, it can really tear our lives down until our faith's down and make us to the point that we're ready to check out of this whole world. 
So jot them down real quickly. The first weight that we need to keep in balance is to know when the stress turns to strain. Again, I'm not saying that, that all stress is bad. Stress can be very, very helpful. Stress can get you out of a stressful job, a, a stressful house that's on fire, or anything like that. It's, the adrenaline is that ability, as you've heard before, to lift that car over up, up when that person is trapped underneath it. That's adrenaline at work, and that's a beautiful thing when stress kicks in like that and adrenaline kicks in. But life was not meant to live at that level. So whenever stress goes on so long that it begins to strain our lives, then we're in danger. When we're ready to, when we're burned out and ready to check out, then we're in danger. Because what happens at that point, we begin to be affected on multiple levels. First of all, we're affected because strain, the strain is on your relationship with others. There'll be a strain that will be on your relationship with others. That all of a sudden, now Moses, the leader of his people, the one, now you gotta think back, Moses, what did he do? He so much loved his people that he gave up his, his, uh, his right to Pharaoh's throne. He gave up all his honor in Pharaoh's court to defend one of his Hebrew brothers. He loved the Hebrew people. And now God elevated him to become the leader of the Hebrew people. But at this point now, he is ready to whack some people. He is sick of them. He is tired of them. He is ready to throw in the towel. And we can see in verse 10, And Moses heard the people weeping throughout the families. Well, they're, they're just complaining. He heard them all weeping. And it says that Moses was displeased. There's one thing that's true about people. His life would be great. Now, you've got to agree with me. Life would be great if it weren't for the people, right? You know, I've heard ministers say that. Ministry's great if it weren't for the people. I've heard retailers say, Retail's great if it weren't for the customers. Or hospitality, food industry. Hey, if it weren't for the complaining people at my table, I would love my job. You know, people are the biggest headaches that we have in life. Especially when we're stressed out. Especially when we can handle no more. At this point, I mean, Moses has had it up to here. He's ready to quit. It will begin to affect your relationship with others. I heard of of one husband and wife that, that the husband became very, his heart was under great stress and duress and ended up going to the hospital and the doctor checked him out, did a stress test, all this kind of stuff. And, and a thorough exam and he was kind of down for the count in, 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 his, in his hospital room. And, and the doctor came in and began to tell the wife what's going on. Says he's just, he's, his heart can't handle any more stress. He cannot handle any more stress. He's, he's stressed out. He's burned out. And he's ready to check out. If you don't go home and take very good care of your husband, he will die. At that point, she's very much awake of the situation. She says, well, how can I help reduce the stress? She says, well, I would say this, that every day before his feet hit the floor, you will have a hot breakfast for him ready in bed. And what's so funny about that? Uh, you'll have a hot breakfast ready for him in bed. When he comes home from work every day, if he needs to work, okay, he may not be too stressed out to work. So if he works, then whatever, when he comes home, make sure his favorite drink and his newspaper is sitting in the recliner for him so that he can make a beeline to that recliner and set his feet up so he can get out of the stress. And make sure whatever you do, keep the noise of the children out of the living room wherever he is. That will raise his stress level. 
And the doctors just kept going on and on. Make sure that he doesn't have to do the dishes at night after dinner because that would be too much time on his feet and too much stress in his life. And on and on the list goes on. And she finally listens. Okay, doctor, I'll, I'll do my very best. And, and then the doctor leaves and, and the husband wakes up and says, the doctor came by, the wife tells the husband. And she said, uh, well, what did he say? She just said, there's nothing we can do about it. You're going to die. You know, the stress of people will cause us at times to point the gun at each other and be ready to pull the trigger. And I think at this time, Moses was ready to pull the trigger, and, and so were the people. And they were ready to shoot each other. Beware that too much stress will hurt your relationship with others. Also, the strain of your relationship with God will begin to be affected. Because what does Moses begin to do? He does what probably all of us should do. He gets real honest with God. And he goes to God in prayer. And he, 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 he pushes through the, 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 the stress that he's dealing with. And he notice his honesty in his prayer. And notice in verse 11. So Moses said to the Lord, why? The very first words out of his mouth. It wasn't, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Or anything like that. His first statement was, why, God? Why? Why did you give me these complainers? That's not exactly what he said. He says, have you been so hard on your servant? Why? A second time. Have I found favor? Have I not found favor in your sight? Moses is at a point in his life where he's saying, God, here I'm doing what you told me to do, and yet I feel like you have abandoned me. And when stress comes heavy upon us, we do feel like God has abandoned us. We feel like God has left us, and all along God may be just simply stretching us. And again, we can go on and we can read the rest of the story, and I don't have time to go there today, but you go on and you read the rest of the story and find about how God works in the the situation. But what I like most about Moses in this prayer is his complete and absolute honesty with God. That he was willing to ask God why. Now the great thing is you can ask God why all day long and he does not have to answer you. Why God did you take this person from me? Why God did you allow this to happen? Why God did I lose my job? Why God am I in these circumstances? Why, why, why? And you know what? You can be gut level, heart level honest with God and you won't offend God. He's got broad enough shoulders he can handle it. But don't let it tear your relationship apart. Let it be a journey that you go on with God, that He grows you through those stressful times. But beware, it will affect your relationship with others. Too much strain, too much stress will affect your relationship with God. And also, it will affect your value on life. Too much strain, too much stress will cause you to look at your life and say, is life really worth living? You feel like you're ready to check out, quit, move, leave, and not even give a forwarding address on your circumstances. You're ready to get out of the picture, out of the scene. And again, you can look at, again, the honesty of of Moses. He says, I'm alone. Verse 14, I am alone. I am alone. I am alone. I'm not able to carry all these people. I'm not able to fix all these problems and carry all these people because it is too burdensome. For me. 
It's too great. It's too overwhelming. So if you're going to deal thus with me, please kill me at once. You can see his desperation. If this is what my life is going to be, if this is where I'm going to be for the next 10, 15 years of my life, I don't want it. I don't want it. I'd rather go on. I'd rather move on. I'd rather in this world, in this life, I'd rather get out of here. Check me out. Too much strain, too much stress, too much burnout will cause your life to be less valued in your eyes. When God still used Moses in amazing, life-changing ways, God still had miracles to do through Moses. But because the strain and the stress was too great, and he was bearing all of it alone, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, because he was bearing all of this alone, he was ready to give it all up. He was ready to quit. Robert Elliott, a cardiologist, said it like this, stress may be the spice of life or it may be the kiss of death. You've got to think about it like that. Is it the spice of life or is it really the kiss of death on your life? In February 2005, former L.A. Lakers coach Rudy Tom Donovich quit what was probably considered the premier job in, in NBA basketball coaching coaching the Los Angeles Lakers. And the thing is, is that Rudy, our coach, uh, coach, uh, coach Rudy, as they called him, had lived a life that was a, almost a Cinderella story. He had led the Houston Rockets to two national championships. He was the, the only coach to be able to lead a team from the lottery, and in the same season from the lottery pick to, to division playoff contenders all in the same year. First coach to ever do that. Ended up leading again the Rockets onto two national championships and gets moved, gets a transfer, gets a promotion to coach the L.A. Lakers. He coaches them for 40 games before he hangs up a $30 million contract and walks away from the job. And this is what he said. He said, I want to rediscover some joy in his life. I want to rediscover some joy. And see, when the stress and the strain, no matter how successful, no matter how many G's you're pulling down, no matter where you're coaching or where you're leading, when the stress becomes so great that it begins to rob you of value and joy in your life, then you're really not living. And I'll be so bold as to say, you're not living in God's will. This was not God's plan for Moses It was not God's plan for us to live to the point that we're stressed out, burned out, and ready to check out. But that's exactly where Moses was in his life. So the first balance, how much stress do I have in my life and is it straining my life to the point that it's affecting my relationship with others, my relationship with God, and my value on my own life? Let's turn it to the second balance, the second weight that we need to keep in balance. And that's knowing how to offload the overload. Okay, I realize I'm overloaded. Okay, I realize I'm stressed. Now I I realize that this is not healthy. How do I do this? And see, the reality is that Moses was, I think, a a very driven self-starter. He was a a doer, not a delegator. You 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 can appreciate the difference. He was probably even a micromanager when you look at his, his personality type. Because he was constantly, whether it was with his father in law, Jethro, Yes, his father-in-law was named Jethro Bodine. No, I mean, not the one from Beverly Hillbillies, but his name was Jethro. 
And his father-in-law saw something in, 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 in Moses that was not healthy. And he early on tells him, you need to delegate. You need to get some of these things off your plate. Well, here we have it again. These complaining situations are, are mounting around him. And again, God says, this is, no, 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 you've got too much going on. You've got too much going on. This is not what I have planned for you. You're, you're, you're too much involved in this. This was not God's plan for his life. And he tells him in verse 16, he says, The Lord therefore said to Moses, Gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel. He begins to offload some of those responsibilities. You see, the reality is that when we're overloaded, we need to learn some new words. I like another great book on this topic is Overcoming Overload. And this is what Stephen Farrar said. He said, Overloaded people need words that begin with R-E. Words that like restore, revive, recover, recline, reflect, relax, replenish, and renew. If you're that person who's got too much stress and strain that you're ready to throw in the towel, it's time to look at these words. And so I want to give you three words myself. Three words that I think fit into this category of words that I think God is saying to Moses here. And God works out in Moses. And the first word I want to give you to help offload some of the stresses of your life is the word reduce. We need to learn how to do math. We need to go back to elementary, primary math, and we need to learn how to do subtraction and division. See, we're really good at multiplication and addition. We're adding to our lives constantly. That's why... Uh, Dr. Swanson said earlier, he said that we live at 10% in every sociological category of our life beyond what we're able to live at. But what we, we continue to add on things into our calendar, into our lives, into our family, to where no longer is the dinner table a sacred place where it's just merely maybe once a week we might sit down for a dinner as a family together. Because we've added on so many activities, so many extracurriculars, so many projects, and so many outside meetings. We need to learn to reduce. Reduce some things. Get some things out of our life. We need to learn subtraction and division. That division is that element where we actually take it and divide and conquer it. We pass it on to other people. And that's exactly what God does inside of Moses' life right here. He says, get 70 elders, take these issues with the 70 elders and let them deal with it. That's exactly what Jethro told him to do as well. Get 70 people around you, divide it, delegate it, push it out, reduce it out of your life. We kind of get this Superman syndrome though going. I think we can do it all and we can't hand it off. Well, here's a test for you, okay? Let this be the test that you're going to filter through. It's a life principle for you today. One should not attempt to do more in life than he can pray over. If you've got so much on your plate that you can't pray over what's on your plate, then you've got too much on your plate. Figure out how to reduce. Reduce. Moses was saying, I am not able to carry all this people. Guess what, Mo? It's not your job to carry them all. Get 70 elders to help you in the process. Get 70 people to help you in the process. It was Jesus who said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 and 30, it says, Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
rest for your souls. There's one of those words that begins with R-E. Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden, easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. The second word that I want to give you to help out in this process of reducing the stress and offloading those overloaded issues of your life, and that's the word renew. And let me say this before I go further. Really, these are sequential. Until you reduce some things out of your life, you will not be able to renew your spirit and your soul. You've got to reduce. You've got to get some things off. And I can tell you right now, this is a personal testimony, and that's all it is. But I can say this, that never in my life have I experienced burnout that I can remember. And in fact, I will date it back for, for 20 years since I've been in ministry. And an older pastor told me, he says, Mike, you'll never be burned out if you keep a hot relationship with God. And never in 20 years can I look at a burnout time in my life that I can't point back to there was a deficiency in my spiritual walk with God. That whenever I was balanced in my walk with God, I was able to handle the stresses of life, which goes right back to what we just read in Matthew. God will never ask us to do anything in our life that we can't do with grace and dignity. Now, will He stretch us? Yes. Will He challenge us? Absolutely. You're going to read story after story of that. But I've got to renew. I can't renew my spirit. I can't renew my soul until I have reduced some of the extra load out of my life. And the problem is, and again, just more of a personal testimony, is it is amazing to me being in the ministry, full-time, vocationally, and all of us are in the ministry. It's amazing to me how many times that the work of God without was killing the work of God within. I want you to think about that. How can I allow the work of pastoring people, God's work, how can I allow that to kill the work of God within? I've got, you have got, to be able to reduce and get keep that balance in your life. In 1989, the Southern Baptist Convention paid six hundred six. million in medical claims on pastors. The number two cause was stress-related illness. A great verse says it like this. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Will there be stress? Will there be strain? Will there be requirements? Will there be things in our life? Absolutely. We'll we'll mountain climbing and we're going to face challenges and we're going to have to run in life. But if we will first on the front end of that learn to wait and go with God through life, wait for Him patiently, Wait for Him in a longing kind of way. Wait for Him in in a listening kind of relationship. Wait for the Lord. He will renew us. We will be able to do things that we wouldn't normally be able to do. How's your ten minutes with God? I'm going to keep coming back to that again and again and again. If you were here back during our essential series of messages, I challenge you right out of the the chute. You need ten minutes a day minimum with God. Are you doing it? Ten minutes a day? That's so little, so insignificant a number. 
But can you do that? If you don't do that, you'll not be renewing your spirit. John Stott said a very bold statement. I think it's very true. I've learned the necessity of stepping back and looking where I'm going and having a monthly quiet day to be drawn up into the mind of God. I wonder if we would learn to do that. Not only taking 10 minutes, but learn to take time to slow down, to reduce and allow God to renew our spirits. The last one is a a beautiful one. It's a great one to end on because once we learn to reduce out of our life and divide and subtract out of our life, once we learn how to renew and we find that waiting on the Lord is really an avenue uh, that God is able to restore us and renew us, then we're able to rejoice. Then we're able to enter into this world and to have a totally different perspective on our circumstances, on life. But the problem is, is I'm afraid that we become sourpusses the older we become. We forget the ability and the joy of simple laughter. Do you realize a four-year-old child is considered the happiest age of, 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 an, of a human being? That they will laugh 400 times a day. 400 times a day a four-year-old will laugh. But an adult will laugh 15 times a day. Do you realize that laughter is a part of God's medicine? If we could only be four again, a glad heart makes a happy face, the Bible says. One, therapeutic, one, one uh, psychologist called uh, uh, therapeutic laughter, he called it inner jogging. If you look at the story of Nehemiah and how Nehemiah lived out his life in a very stressful time. They were rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. It was a very difficult time. They were fearing for their life. There was stress all around them. There was stress within. It was hard. It was hot. It was difficult. People were making fun of them. It was stress, 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 stress. Moses calls them for a powwow meeting. And what does he say to them? How, how does he rejuvenate the, the, the energy of the group again? He reminds them. Of joy. It says in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, he says, The day is holy to God. Don't feel bad. The joy of God is your strength. The joy of God is your strength. If you've lost your joy, it may mean because you're carrying too much of a load. Lighten up. See a good movie. Laugh. Enjoy life. Become a four-year-old again. You have my you have my 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 what's it? Permission. Be a four-year-old again. Richard Foster said in his book on prayer, he said, the most spiritually advanced need frequent times of laughter, play, and good fun. As you think about so much of what I see in, in Christians is not one of joy. <laughs> it's one of some kind of stoic, mildewed over, plastic. I don't even want to go there. I don't want to live that way. In my life, I want to enjoy. I want to enjoy the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I want to rejoice in my life. How's that going to happen? I'm going to have to reduce things out of my life. Reduce things out that aren't, don't necessarily need to be there. I'm going to need to renew my spirits. Alright? And you do that by waiting on the Lord. And once I'm able to do that, then I'm able to stand up. I'm able to do that in 10 minutes a day. I mean, 10 minutes a day is a great starting point. It's not the ending point. 10 minutes a day with God. And then I 
think you're able to rejoice again. Because He will show you the things in your life many times that you need to reduce, you need to add, you need to change, the attitudes, the perspectives. And then you're able to walk out of there in a vibrant relationship with God. And I'll say to you the same thing this senior pastor said to me. Every time, every time, every time you face burnout, it will be most likely because you did not have a vibrant relationship with God. Renew that relationship with Him today.